Let us pray. Lord God, help us to know where we stand in your garden and how to stand in your garden and how to be your presence for those who long to be nourished by your garden. Amen. Now, <clears throat> when I planted my little raised bed garden in our tiny backyard this spring, I turned the soil and I plopped in some herbs, basil and rosemary and parsley and cilantro, and I went to sleep. And when I awoke, the garden was filled with plant life, wild garlic, Japanese hops, tree of heaven, and some ground cover that I'm sure started at my neighbor's house down the street. Truth be told, it didn't really happen overnight while I lay sleeping. <clears throat> it happened over time while I was letting my garden fend for itself because I didn't want to get bit by mosquitoes. So when I went out the other day to harvest my basil for some pesto, I had a hard time finding it and then rescuing it from the vine that encased it. It's not exactly the story of the wheat and the tares. You might call it the story of the herbs and the terrible gardener. <clears throat> Parables seem to be growing all around me of late. And so for the second week in a row, we get this seasonal horticultural planting story about the kingdom of God. And I think it should be heard with the words of last week's gospel ringing in our ears. So last week, we heard Matthew's version of the story of the sower and the seed. It's the first of several parables about the kingdom of God that Matthew describes in this chapter. And you'll recall that this one, the word of God lands on all kinds of soil where it often fails to take root and dies. But when it lands on fertile soil, look out, huge yields, 30, 60, 100 fold. And the disciples of Jesus get the good news that he considers them to be that fertile soil. They hear the word and they understand it. And in turn, they bear the fruit that God has planted. That's great. So after the story, I bet the disciples were feeling pretty good about themselves. And if we have, as church identify with those listeners, and we should, we might feel pretty good as well. If the parables ended there. But I hear Jesus saying quietly under his breath, not so fast, friends. I have another story for you. It's a story about the perils of fertile soil. Someone sows seed in their field and while everyone is asleep, an enemy comes and sows weeds among it. Not just any weeds, but tares, also called false wheat or darnel. It can't really be distinguished from wheat until the head forms, so you can't see it right away. It just looks like a really big yield is coming up out of the ground. However, the flour that's made from false wheat is poisonous. So in the end, it has to be removed from the harvest and that requires quite a bit of sorting. Finding tares in your wheat and getting rid of them was a common problem in Palestine. 
And how long does it take to notice that half of the field is actually something else? That it's grown up right there along with the good wheat? Well, long enough to, for it to get so nicely rooted that you can't start pulling it out without yanking up the good wheat. Now, I find in these parables from last week and today, both signs of hope and signs of caution. What I find hopeful is that the reign of God that Jesus proclaims in this chapter of Matthew is right here among us. It's not in the future. It's not waiting for us to fully deserve it. It's fully present. And how do we know that? Because Jesus describes something that exists right in the middle of the mess. Something that looks exactly like how human communities always look. They're a mixed bag. Some folks don't really listen when the word of God lands right on them. Some are led astray. Some are overwhelmed by their lives. All that we heard in last week's gospel of the story of the sower and the seed. And some, the ones that are supposed to have their act together, and the ability to really bring on the yield, some fall asleep or get deceived and fail to recognize that there is evil growing right there along with the good. That looks like our world today. The kingdom of God is not a bubble for perfect, of perfection for the elite. It's not a place of privilege or supremacy. It's not an island of calm in the storm. It's free range hope. It's wild-caught love and long-hoped-for repair for all who have been pushed to the margins and to their limits. And it grows up right alongside the greed and the corruption and the collusion with other kings. In Matthew, the kingdom of God actively undermines the powers and principalities that place themselves in opposition to God's love and justice. That's the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. But here's the not so fast. What about those other things that are growing here as well? Those things that we need to be able to identify correctly. Things that look a little like the gospel, but aren't. Things that are just familiar enough to trick us into thinking that we can serve more than one master. Things that don't come from love and justice and repair, but from their enemies. For examples, see the news. And those are seeds sown to deceive us. If it were a movie, I'd call it The Empire Strikes Back. And those seeds are sown when we fall asleep and when we stop paying attention to the field that's why Jesus elsewhere puts so much emphasis on staying awake. Now Jesus changes his allegorical points a bit from the parable of the sower and the seed to the parable of the wheat and the tares. In the first, the followers of Jesus are the dirt. And in the second, they are the good seed. But in both, we have that very human combination of love and fear, weakness and power, wisdom and foolishness all growing together, which tells us again, we're in the present. And overall, we're part of a struggle over what kind of fruit humanity will ultimately yield. Will it nourish God's creation or kill it? Will it nurture God's beloved community 
or empire's selfish individualism? And is our role passive or active? What does it mean to trust God to do the sorting and the judging and the burning instead of making that our primary task? Because that's also part of the caution in these parables. As church, we've historically spent far too much time trying to figure out who should be in and who should be out instead of seeing that the harvest is plenty. And as church, we've often kitted ourselves into thinking that we were tending God's word when we were actually fertilizing something else. Privilege, power, dominion, exclusion. And when that false wheat becomes visible for what it truly is, it is mean work, very mean work, to try to get rid of it. I think we're finding out right now that it requires immense faith and immense humility to allow God to prune us and to weed us and to tend us in a way that truly repairs the garden. Now, St. Paul, the great community organizer of the early church, made it his mission to help Christian communities do just that. In his letters, he repeatedly answers the question, how are we to be church in a world like this? And in this exquisite passage from his letter to the Romans, he reminds them and us how we live as wheat among tares. Or to change the metaphor a bit, how to bring to birth something wonderful in the midst of evil. Now, Paul is also the early church's midwife. And he reminds us of what animates us as the body of Christ. And that is the spirit of God that we have invited to live right inside of us. That makes us children of God. That makes us inheritors of a better future. And Paul reminds the Corinthians elsewhere that that also makes us ambassadors, representatives of Christ in this world. We are not to live passively, waiting for a better future for ourselves. We are to let the Holy Spirit do its powerful work through us to bring to birth something new. The earth is in labor Paul tells the Roman church, and it is anticipating a birth that repairs and restores and manifests love. And the earth labors still, and we labor still as part of it, but labor is an act of hope, and hope is a belief in the good that is being born. For in hope we were saved, Paul reminds us. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. And part of living in joyful hope in expectant patience is learning to rejoice in every sign of the presence of God, of the kingdom of God that pushes through the cracks, that emerges from fertile soil, that makes itself distinct from the weeds around it, there are signs of those in the news as well. Jesus's parables are springing up everywhere. Let those of us who have ears to hear, listen. Amen. <laughs>